Under the Tartan Sky, Episode 77, produced 31 January 2021. There can be no denying the Scots diaspora worldwide. There are millions of us spread around the globe. Elements of Scottish culture can be found across the Americas to be sure, but also in far-flung destinations like the Caribbean, in New Zealand, India, Singapore, Japan, and elsewhere. I'm Glenn Moyer, and working closer to home to spread a bit of Scottish culture are Ainsley Hamill and Anna MacDonald, a.k.a the Association of Exiled Scots. In a moment, we'll jet off to London to meet these two lassies who share their passion for Caledonia through music, song, and dance. That's coming up here, Under the Tartan Sky. Are you .scot yet? .scot is the domain for the worldwide community of Scots. It became available to the public in late 2014 and is used by the Scottish Government and Parliament, the National Health Service in Scotland, and thousands of other organisations and individuals around the globe. .scot doesn't mind where you live or what kind of Scottish connection you have. If you're Scottish by birth, heritage or affinity, or an association that practices and promotes Scottish arts and culture, or a business with some kind of Scottish connection, then .scot is for you. Best of all, it's easy to sign up to. Simply visit domains.scot, choose your domain name, and you're off and running. And, by the way, if you're just looking for a wee blether, our email service will help you do that too. .scot. Be part of it. have to look no further than the Scottish history of clans to know that Scots are all about family and community. Even today, long after clan society has disappeared, the question most likely to be asked of anyone who proclaims themselves to be Scottish or of Scott descent is, what's your clan? Finding themselves exiled in London, Ainsley Hamill and Anna MacDonald were missing that connection to home, that sense of belonging, and decided to create their own community away from home for exiled Scots, like themselves, by sharing their talents as singers, musicians, and dancers, by doing what Scots the world over have done for generations, sharing Scottish culture with anyone interested. The two co-founded the Association of Exiled Scots to teach music, language, and culture through their culture and music school, while also showcasing themselves and other Scottish talent through live event bookings and corporate gigs. In 2020, like so many others, they were forced by the pandemic to revamp their business plan and rely more and more on an online presence, a move that fortuitously opened the door to a line of bespoke association apparel featuring Scotland's iconic national animal, the unicorn. But before any of this could happen, the pair first had to meet themselves, and that story is an interesting one. While we were initially introduced through the Scottish Business Network, I asked both Ainsley and Anna to tell me a bit more about themselves 
and listen closely as Ainsley also shares how she and Anna first met in London. I am a, a singer and um, always have been type thing. I went to um, the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland. So I graduated from there, like, sort of 2013. And, you know, since then, done lots of touring. I used to be part of a band called um, Barbua. And we did, like, two studio albums and lots and lots of singles and lots of touring around, like, Germany and uh, Denmark in particular. And um, I'm currently with a, a band now called Fourth Moon, doing exactly the same thing. <laughs> um, I've been known to frequent at uh, the mod, uh, the Royal National Mod, um, so like Gaelic uh, singing competition. That's what my main practice was at um, the conservatoire. And, um, you know, from, from, from there, uh, I found myself moving to... London <laughs> of all places and I kind of thought oh god I really don't know what I'm going to do here you know I think actually sometimes when when you move to a different place and it's such a big place it can be quite well I suppose overwhelming and I was having a particularly bad day and um, it was actually my partner that said to me he was like I, I just googled Scottish singer in uh, London and this girl popped up I thought okay <laughs> and he's like you should contact her <laughs> I was like I no I don't think I will actually that's quite stalkerish um, and uh, you know the day sort of passed it was a particularly bad one I remember sitting on my bed like god what is happening here and I just thought email her just email her and ask her to go for a coffee I mean we could be pals you know and uh, I did and then I went to meet Anna and then we got on like a house and fire. We had all, within 10 minutes of meeting each other, we had already started um, conjuring ideas. And then at the end of the conversation, she says, so where do I know your boyfriend from? Because <laughs> I had explained, you know, it's my boyfriend that told me to get in touch with you and just, you know, I would take, take the chance and just reach out. And I said, eh, you don't know him. <laughs> and she said, Okay, uh, so Dan, you have I met you before? And I was like, no, <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally a stranger <laughs> that you've come to meet today. It's been quite nice. Do you want to meet up again? <laughs> and then that that was really the start. That was the start of everything. Um, so I'm really just actually a singer and a mad stalker. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Anna? So, um, just listening to Ainsley, um, given her wee, her wee bio there, mine's relatively similar. I'm from a family, a big family of singers, big um, McDonald clan. So, um, I've always sung, also went to the mod, um, <laughs> did a lot of, I'm fundamentally a singer, songwriter like Ainsley. I play a wee bit of guitar and a wee bit of harp, a wee bit of piano. And um, also did the touring thing, though I toured with a, a collective who we had a, a kind of blues player and a rock guitar, um, piano player. And we toured for three or four years. And the idea was that we were a night of music. So if you wanted folk, you had me. If you wanted blues, you had Mike. And if you wanted rock, you had Rosie. So um, I've done lots and lots of different types of music as well. And I did quite a, quite a wee bit of classical when I was 
when I was much, much younger. Um, I didn't follow the musical route. I actually went to uni and did um, medicine and I worked for a few years and then I retired and I did music most of the time and have have sort of branched out a little bit um, and as well as the stuff that we do with Tows, which has been so great. Um, been meeting Ainsley that day was a breath of fresh air. It was so lovely to meet somebody in such a Scottish way. Oh, my boyfriend knows blah, 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 and they've contacted you. And, and we, you know, in that conver- short conversation, we'd already established lots and lots of mutual contacts. Um, so I knew she wasn't an axe killer. <laughs> That's always, <laughs> That's always a good thing, yes. <laughs> right. Um, and uh, we we had all these ideas of uh, different ways that we in London could you know, Greek, like connect with Scotland and still be part of what's going on up there and bring the culture of London, eh, of Scotland to London, which, you know, for me was definitely something that I had been missing over the last few years. Um, And as well as that, I also run a charity down here as well. I'm curious about your choice of the word exiled Scots, because exile typically means having been banished uh, as a form of punishment or under threat if you were to return. So I'm very curious why the term exiled Scots, because clearly neither of you are, have been exiled and cannot return to Scotland under penalty of death or imprisonment or anything like that. So, so, why the association? <laughs> oh, there's, there's, Maybe there's something we haven't told you guys. <laughs> okay, there's more to the story, huh? Uh, but assuming that to be the case, um, why the association of exiled Scots? Do you know, it was very tongue-in-cheek, and as much as the creative and the songs and the, the culture, the poetry, all you know, really make us want to bring that with us all the time, so does the sense of fun. And for me, it was the sort of slightly, because it's quite a formal title, the Association of Exiled Scots, but it's the slightly tongue-in-cheek nature of it that um, I think gives it its real cultural impact. You mean there's a, yeah. bit, of, a bit of dry Scottish humour there? A little bit, just a wee bit. Yeah, and I guess the fact as well that our Gale and Butte Council won't ever let us back in. Painfully, <laughs> <laughs> we agreed not to talk about that. <laughs> No, but I think Anna's right <laughs> in saying what she's just said. You know, like, we, I remember sitting, it was kind of an early meeting that we had. And uh, we're like, right, we've been asked to do a couple of things. And we need to, basically, we were forced into making it a limited company because we couldn't get paid otherwise. <laughs> so immediately, we were on company's house. And uh, we're like, right, come on, think of names, you know. And it literally just came, I think, Anna, it came out your mouth and I was like, you're having a laugh, aren't you? <laughs> and then it, we were like, why not, actually? Like, why can't we be an association? You know, so that's... We're very unexpected when we turn up a lot of the time. People do not expect us to look the way we look. <laughs> yeah, well, I think they think maybe Anna's the woman and Ainsley's the man. It's got those sort of vibes, and they're like, "Oh, like where's where's the man?" And we're like, "Oh no, it's really just us. <laughs> we're the whole package." <laughs> well, that was another question I had that I wanted to get some clarification on, and, and that is that the Association of Exiled Scots is 
not what one would think of when you say, oh, I belong to an association, uh, typically a membership-driven organization with you know members either across the community or around the world or in the city or, or whatever. The Association of Exiled Scots, the two of you are, I think, please correct me if I'm wrong, essentially a company of two and a business. It's not, it's not a membership-driven association. Am I correct in that? It's not membership driven, but it is about building community. So we're actually really passionate about that. That's a big part of what we do in terms of the step dancing classes and the Gaelic um, song classes and the other traditional instruments that we offer. It's all about creating a community around the world of people who are interested um, enjoy, passionate about Scottish culture. But you're right, it's not a membership driven organisation. By that I mean, I, I as an individual would not join and become a member of the Association of Exiled Scots, correct? No, but you you would be you are part of the community. That's the the joy of it. Yeah, whether you like it or not, Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you've got an association with Scotland, whether you're in Scotland or out with, you know, you are, you know, part of the association. And I think a lot of people are maybe confused by that at first because. It is such an official name and they think, oh gosh, I'll need to pay for a membership or whatever. It's not like that at all. Like we have our communities through our classes that we provide through our um, social media communities. Like for instance, we have a a Facebook group um, where, you know, you just enter into the group and you can see all the things uh, that are happening. You get first dibs on maybe like a wee discount code for Tows Attire or something like that. But it, it's it's all-encompassing. And I guess the thing is, as well, you don't need to be Scottish. Anne and I have a wee saying that it's a state of mind being Scottish. You know, it's more a way of just being rather than being born uh, in Scotland. Your objective, as I understand it, is to share Scottish culture, music, dance with... Um, Scots worldwide, the worldwide diaspora, but really with anyone who has uh, an affinity for Scotland, whether, as you say, they're Scottish by blood or not. Mm-hmm. You'll take anyone, Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> well, when, when you're in exile, yeah, you know, you can't be particular. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, this is it. Beggars can't be choosers. <laughs> <laughs> but in saying that, though, you know, one of the main things that we do is to provide um, authentic Scottish cultural entertainment globally. You know, and that was one of the main things at the start of COVID. We were like, oh, no, that just totally cuts that off. You know, because we would travel to places, do different events um, for, like, Scottish-based companies, Scottish people, people that love Scotland. And then all of a sudden that's just cut off. And you think, oh dear, but actually we've just evolved ourselves to bring everything uh, online. And in fact, because we haven't been able to do so much of that this year, it's given us a chance to grow our community just that little bit more, which has been really wonderful, you know, connecting uh, with folk uh, and yeah, just growing this wonderful base of people that love Scottish culture. Initially, booking Scottish entertainment was uh, was a uh, a central 
part or a central theme of, of what the association, what the two of you were doing, uh, because as you've already said, both of you are, are entertainers on many levels. Were you also essentially working as almost like a, a booking agent for other Scottish acts? Were you out simply promoting um, your own entertainment? Also, we get asked to book world music, which is brilliant. You know, so one of the great things about performing as a Scottish artist around the world is you, you very often end up at festivals which are about, again, quotation marks, world music. So you meet these incredible people and, um, you know, we're then able to book them and bring them to events that are mainly Scottish, but they want an international flavour or say, for example, I'm thinking very specifically of one that um, was advertising the Edinburgh Festival, which is a huge international festival that happens in August in Scotland. Um, And we were able to bring um, Abel Selico, who's this incredible cellist. And there's something really lovely about that, about not just sharing our culture, but crossing cultures as well. One of the ways that you share Scottish culture is through your classes, and I've talked with a number of folks who, because of the pandemic, have had to really almost redesign their their business plan, if you will, to work mm. online because the in-person options just were no longer available. And I know you've done that. So you offer classes in in music, in, uh, in, in singing, I believe, in instrumentation lessons uh, of some sort, and, as well as step dancing, etc. Tell me a little about the different classes that you offer and how those work. How do people get involved in them? Well, we've just been doing it um, just um, over, uh, <laughs> basically over Zoom, right? So when lockdown started, well, actually just before lockdown, we did um, a step dancing class uh, in Chelsea, uh, in the flesh and it was really successful it was really good fun and we thought oh we'll, we'll book some more time in um you know in the next couple of weeks and try and get more people along and then covid happened and <laughs> we're like oh dear and obviously at this point we'd never heard of zoom or you know anything like that and we thought well let's just jump on the zoom bandwagon and we did and it's been really successful so um Every Sunday, we have our Gaelic song class. And um, every Monday night, we have our step dancing class. And it's literally went, well, we've done it the whole of lockdown, haven't we, Anna? We started, yeah. did we start in March? Did we start in March? I think we did. We did, because we went all through the summer um, with these um, classes that just really built our community. And, and it was just, I mean, I... Um, you know, I've been learning so much as well. So it's been, for me, it's been a, a really great uh, learning opportunity. Yeah, and I mean, like, don't get me wrong as well, like teaching the classes that I feel it has brought a lot back to me, you know, because if I wasn't doing that, I would not have sung any of those Gaelic songs and I wouldn't have <laughs> step danced, you know. Um, it, it, actually, we weren't going to do a step dancing class uh, at first because I was like Anna I don't think I can 
um, jump up and down in my flat. <laughs> I tried it. I did actually try it. And a little woman, um, we have this like chat for the block of flats that I live in. And she's like, um, I think somebody's doing some building work. Um, <laughs> and I was like, no, I, bet, I bet you that's me. You know, I'm, I'm saying to uh, my boyfriend, I, I think she's getting on to me about that. And she was dead nice about it. And then I did it again the next week. And she was like, whoever's bloody knocking on the floor, <laughs> you bloody shut up. And I was like, oh dear. So I had to sort that out really quickly. So I went down uh, the stairs. We have this like lobby um, in the block of flats. And um, that is now where I do the step dance in class. And it's pretty funny because it is a lobby. So people will occasionally walk past. And um, I think people get the fright of their life. You know, they're like, what? This girl <laughs> having a rave? Like, is she having a wee party herself? <laughs> you know, <laughs> to be a uh, like speaker. Um, and it's like quite a loud one and I absolutely crank it up <laughs> you know so I'm, I'm honest to go and jumping about the lobby and delivery drivers are like are you okay <laughs> you know I, I was going to say your description of the, the step dancing class in your flat reminds me I don't know if you if you get these commercials or adverts over there but the Geico adverts where uh, a couple says we love our new home but there's a problem with and one of them says there's a problem with clogging and it's the people in the flat above who are clog dancers similar I guess to step dancing and, and they're just wagging a wagging a wagging a wagging you know all the time <laughs> and, and I was envisioning that the whole time that you were uh, you were talking about you know having to work this out within your flat but you know I think haven't we all really sort of become ingrained to seeing things like Zoom and you know aren't we all sort of now used to seeing people wandering by us with cameras talking to themselves and doing these weird things and we just pay no more attention it's just part of the norm yeah big time eh? Ad and I did a really fun day around London didn't we at the very beginning so um it was just after the first part of lockdown had been lifted so we'd not seen each other for a while and um we got together to do some sort of social media content like um, all around the landmarks of London we were actually filming for a Scottish Business Network advert and it's oh, yeah. if you get to see the advert it's six in the morning I've and we're standing it. outside oh we're standing outside Buckingham Palace and the sun <laughs> is directly in our eyes <laughs> but it was the only way we could get the shot we wanted so if we look oh, a bit dozy that's why yeah, I mean, I think to answer a very simple question, no, what did we have to say? We had to say Scotland is now, and it literally took us 10 million <laughs> shots because we were so tired. I was like foaming at the mouth, and I was like, you'll need to do that again. <laughs> and this horse and carriage kept coming past. They were obviously doing some training one of the younger horses, so this horse and carriage kept coming past, which was really cool, but um, also a bit distracting. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I spent a number of years in television, and I, and I cannot tell you how many times, you know, the director would say, "That was perfect. Now let's do it just one more time." You know, <laughs> that was great. Can you do it again? You know, and it's like, what? You know, what's going on here? I want to talk a little bit about the production side of what you're doing because that's a, another part of your business in addition to the classes. But before we go on to that, 
Who are you finding attending your classes? Are these are they primarily Scots? Or are you finding people around the world getting involved and wanting to learn this, uh, some of these bits of um, Scottish culture, whether it be the dance classes or the singing classes or the music classes? Where is your audience coming from and who are they? That's actually quite an interesting question because, um, well, a lot, a lot of them are Scottish. Uh, some of them are actually in Scotland. <laughs> so, you know. They're not exiled? They're not exiled, they're allowed in the country. Um, <laughs> however, like a lot of people um, internationally got in touch with us, particularly from um, America, um, and asked if you know they could be part of the class. And um, I think like some of the time differences weren't great. You know, um, we had a lot for the step dancing um, request from America and we were sort of thinking about changing it. And then the thing is also as well, you know, it has to suit also the people that are coming to the class, you know, because we're all about community. We're not about shunning folk, you know. Um, so we might, we were sort of talking about um, maybe doing um, a North American time that would suit a lot of those folk that were wanting to do it. So have different classes. Um, but yeah, it, it, it really varies. Um, but I would say a lot, most, most folk are in Europe that are doing it. Yeah, definitely. But we also do, um, we also do individual lessons also. You know, so if someone was like really keen to learn the step dancing or Gaelic song or, or actually any instrument we do, um, Clarsach um, and fiddle and accordion um, and like the main sort of traditional instruments you can get private lessons from us and uh, that so you know that's maybe more accessible to folk in North America and different parts of, of the world um, because we're so aware also that you know there's exiled Scots in, in New Zealand and Australia and um, loads of all over the world yeah um, you know, so we want to, we want to, we want everyone to be part of our community. You know, as I say, we don't want to exclude anyone, but it's just about finding the right ways to do that. You know, so people can participate. One thing we haven't talked about yet, and I'm curious, is that Gaelic is a key ingredient in a lot of what you do, particularly in your your singing. Is that something that comes from your own childhoods in Scotland? Is it purely an interest in Scottish culture? What's your What's your interest in the Gaelic language? For me, my family are from the Isle of Skye, and um, my granny was, you know, my granny and papa and great uncles were all native speakers, and they were of the generation who, you know, were told not to speak Gaelic, and they were beaten in the playground if they were found to be speaking Gaelic. Mm. Um, and a lot of things were happening around that time. You know, there was a sort of mass exodus from the Highlands and Islands and, um, and Gaelic wasn't maybe seen as that valuable. And obviously that has really, really changed, which has been so lovely to see. And I'm not a native speaker. I went back to the Solmo Rostig, the Gaelic College on Sky, and um, learned a little bit. And I certainly wouldn't say that I'm as fluent as I'd like to be, but um, it's certain the childhood that I had definitely gave me a real love for Gaelic and, and the culture. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like it's so important to both of us because um, with Gaelic, you know, growing up in Cardras or Cardros, uh, as it's spelled, uh, in Argyll, you know, I was surrounded by a couple of native speakers and I got 
um, you know, you're encouraged to speak a little bit of the Gaelic at, at school, but it wasn't through the medium of Gaelic. It was teachers that took an interest in it and they would maybe incorporate it into the lesson and, you know, being part of the Gaelic choir at school. And then I'm the same as Anna after I did my degree at the Royal Conservatory of Scotland, where Gaelic song was my first study. Um, I also I did the um, remote learning, you know, like the online courses uh, for Solmarostic uh, as well. And it's a great it's a great place to learn because it's very accessible. I think, you know, doing the courses online, it was really difficult because I was trying to tour at the same time and it became quite a lot. And I would maybe only be in a noisy place or whatever when I was trying to do my uh, lessons. But yeah, I just, Gaelic is very important to us culturally, but as is uh, Scots, you know, mm-hmm. we're all encompassing. You know, we don't, there's, there's a huge huge resurrection of the uh, Scots language as well. I think it maybe felt a little bit pushed to the wayside um, because so much funding and time went into Scottish Gaelic. So it's really great actually that we're now sort of building a sort of conglomerate of um, Scottish national language, which is pretty cool. Are either of you in the various classes you offer, are either of you uh, teaching Gaelic? Well, yeah, we, we, well, we do our Gaelic song class. And within that, you know, we, we really try to cover, like, pronunciation to a T, you know, so you're not doing things like hash bash. And also, like, talk through some of the grammatical structures as well. Not really in depth, but that's that way because of that. You know, I would always sort of make an effort to sort of mention something uh, within each class. So you would go away knowing a bit of like language structure, some vocab. You're not just learning it phonetically. You know, you've got a good understanding of what the song's about, good understanding of what a lot of the words are as well. I think that's super important. I think, like, even within any language, you know, if you're going to perform the song, you need to know what it's about, you know, because that's where all your emotion comes from. So, yeah, absolutely, you learn a little bit of Gaelic from uh, the song classes. We were actually thinking about maybe starting a wee Scots song class as well. Um, you know, so as I said before, like we, we don't want to cut folk off. It's about being, you know, inclusive about the whole thing and just, you know, anybody can join. And so maybe, maybe Gaelic puts some people off, you know, but we don't want it to be like that. I feel we don't want it to be a competition between Gaelic and Scots. You know, we want it to be... We do want it to be balanced because, like, if you know, if we were turning up somewhere to do a, a couple of songs, we would definitely have Scots and Gaelic in the program. Yeah, but it just happens to, yeah, absolutely a bit of both. It just happens to be, you know, I was just wanting to sing more Gaelic songs over um, lockdown, and that's just what we happened to do, you sure. know. And we had a, a few inquiries about it as well, like, would you do a Gaelic song class? And we thought, oh, why not? Yeah, we'll do it. So, um, yeah, uh, maybe a wee Scots song class is on the cards as well, if folk fancy it. And we can have an entirely separate conversation about the Scots language in addition to Gaelic. Anna, you were talking about how when your grandparents were shunned for them to speak Gaelic, and the same thing I know happened to uh, kids in Scotland growing up speaking Scots and and being told, getting wrapped on the hands by the the teacher and said, no, no, you have to speak proper English. Proper, the Queen's English. 
Yeah. Yeah, but that happened to us at school. Really? You know, like, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you'd be sitting in class and say you were maybe being a wee bit cheeky or whatever, like to teach, I'd be like, aye. She'd be like, no, that'll be yes. Yeah. I was never cheeky to the teachers, Ainsley Hamill, but (laughs) (laughs) very occasionally. Somehow, somehow, I don't believe that, Anna. I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> Come out well, of my shell a lot in the last few years. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit. We've we've touched and danced all around it. Pardon my pun on the dancing thing, but we've been dancing around this issue of COVID nineteen and the pandemic and how that changed what the association was uh, attempting to do and trying to do. And it has forced you to move everything at this point online. How has that impacted your goals of spreading Scottish culture and Scottish entertainment? Has it enhanced it? Has it inhibited it? What's been the reaction and how difficult has the transition been? Let's just delve into that for a minute. Yeah, I mean, I think every business has had to, I'm going to use the entrepreneur word, pivot um, a lot during this last this last year. But, you know, we're a creative business. So in terms of um, how we went about it, uh, we provided online sort of postcards to people for birthdays and um, events if they were doing online events. Um, the classes all immediately went online and, you know, that worked really well. Um, we did, in terms of events, which were, which were one of the mainstays of what we were doing, we really had to change how we were looking at those things um, and send out a very different sort of message about them. But it also allowed us to spend a, a lot of time this year looking at our production arm, which has been really useful. So we produced that advert for the SPN. Um, we've done one or two other other things as well. And, and we're now sort of for, you know, if you do want a Scottish song for something, we have a lot of um, Scottish-linked businesses or uh, networking groups, entrepreneurs asking for a song to start their business meeting. Um, and we've become the, the go-to company for that. So it's it's been for me. I hadn't done as much um, sort of video production and um, recording as Ainsley had. So for me, that again, steep learning curve, but it's been brilliant. Where are you hoping to take that? Is multimedia production going to become a thing for the association? Um, <laughs> I think <laughs> well, we that's actually a, that's a hard one, isn't it? Because we our yeah. our passion and our joy is to be out performing and meeting people and speaking to people you know you'll have you'll have noticed we love a wee play there um and to take the sort of the word of the scottish culture out there i think it's really helped us hone our production skills and i think that that will only strengthen us for the future looking forward um but i don't know if that's something that we would be expanding further than we have already to use anna's entrepreneurial word pivot if and when we return to some form of normal or at least normal as we knew it prior to the pandemic and you're able to return to your roots of entertaining performing doing all of these things in person do you expect that you would continue then with the online programming that you've developed i think we respond to what what the community around us is asking for so um, if people were saying look i love the classes but i just can't get to them then i think an online class would definitely be on the cards one of the great things about this year is now everybody knows how to use Zoom. Um, and if that's what our community was asking for, then absolutely. Um, it's it's a, In some ways, it's a great time saver, but you do miss that face-to-face contact. So 
I think we're probably envisaging maybe a, a couple of online classes a month and then a couple of in-person classes. Um, we'd probably mix it up a bit because I think people will be really desperate for the contact after this weird yeah. year that we've had. Yeah, and I think, I guess we are raring to go to go and perform again, you know, so like give us anything type thing. <laughs> because, I mean, like that's what we do. That's our main bag, you know, performing. And it's it's been really hard to actually not just do that in the flesh, like stand up and sing a song and do a wee step dance, you know, play our instruments. Like we really miss that. Um, and I guess as well, actually, going back to your previous question about how did we pivot, you know, during COVID times, we created something really cool. We created um, a Tows Attire, which is our clothing line. And um, it's been really fun to create that because that's probably something that we wouldn't have done if we didn't go into lockdown. Because all of a sudden we found ourselves with a little bit more time. We thought, oh, we can't perform as normal. So let's do something creative and it was a different line of creativeness you know because we are dead arty we're we're you know in truth we're arty farty weirdos <laughs> <laughs> <Ainsley>. <laughs> i know i said i wouldn't say but <laughs> it's so true you know we just like to create and it's actually really helped um our community feel more like a community yeah. um like we have our t-shirts um and our our wee beauty beanie that's what we call it and we've got our gala sleeve tea and pure dead classic tea uh, as well and they all feature um scotland's national animal which is the unicorn of course which is, um, yeah we love it Leo. it's such a cool symbol um i think you know if you look if you look into the the meaning behind it you know it, it symbolizes um <laughs> serenity purity <laughs> which, which we personify quite frankly <laughs> absolutely that was 100% our reasoning <laughs> but um yeah it's just and actually a lot of people don't know that the unicorn is um our national animal and yeah, which I thought was kind of general knowledge, but the more I speak to folk, the more I realise actually folk, even Scot some Scottish people, are, they're like, why is that a unicorn? And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Not everybody knew that. But yeah, so it's again just sort of spreading that culture. So we have the Association of Exiled Scots, and, and you're trying to grow a community and share Scottish culture, um, music, entertainment, who are you trying to reach out to and and how are you finding that in terms of growing a community? What's been the reaction to the association? I think it was it's the same as, as Ainsley said earlier. We're looking for people that are interested in Scottish culture and have a passion to learn about it. So whether you're you know Scottish or your parents were Scottish or you were born in Scotland or you've just got a real passion for the culture and the country, um, we're just interested in people who are interested in learning about it and they can find us on I mean we're on all the social media platforms we're on Instagram and Twitter and we have a website um, the association of exiledscots.com so you can contact us through any of those um, mediums and you don't have to be exiled from Scotland I mean if you want to be in the cool club no you don't have to be exiled 
<laughs> okay. Final question then for each of you. I'd like to get a take from the two of you. What it is, in your opinion, that makes Scottish culture and heritage so popular worldwide and something that so many people not only have an appreciation for, but as no doubt you have found, in many cases, have a yearning to learn more about? Hmm. I mean, it's just so old, doesn't it? And I think, like, our culture, I mean, and our languages and just... It, 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 it's a bit weird as well, isn't it? You know, like a lot of the things that we maybe find normal, maybe the rest of the world think that's very strange. <laughs> so I guess it's an intrigue into understanding the way that we are, you know, being Scottish. And I think also as well, like, I don't know, I, I don't know if this sounds um, silly me saying this because we obviously are Scottish, but the folk are generally very nice. You know, you like meet a Scottish person. Yeah, like you meet a Scottish person anywhere in the world. You have a good laugh with them, you know, and that's another thing. Like, if you are Scottish and you meet a Scottish person somewhere in the world, you're best pals, you know? I mean, that's <laughs> what happened to us. Yeah, well, yeah, actually, that is what happened to us. You know, it's um, it's an intrigue for the culture because it's so different, and then also just uh, yeah, the the folk are nice, you know. And I think folk, folk from other cultures maybe just want a, a piece of that sometimes. As lo along with what Ainsley's saying, it's also the similarities. It's the things that make you human. A lot of Scottish culture is based around clans and families and belonging, and that's such a human need and quality. And it's also based around music and creating. And again, that's something that we see in every culture in the world. So as well as the differences, there's also, there's also that commonality that I think brings people together and, and makes people really interested. My thanks to my guest, Anna and Ainsley the Association of Exiled Scots. If you'd like to know more about their classes, talent bookings, or check out their unicorn-inspired line of association apparel, well, just check out their website. You'll find the link in our show notes at www.underthetartansky.scot. In coming episodes, we're going to explore how the pandemic forced a bespoke travel company to reimagine itself by creating online whiskey tastings. We'll search for gold in the highlands, We'll learn about the Eriskay ponies from the Isle of Eriskay in the Hebrides, and we'll turn to one of our favorite subjects, tartan, to learn how one artisan is weaving tartan in glass. And a reminder that if you enjoy these podcasts, please tell a friend about us, leave a wee review on whatever platform you listen, and subscribe. It's free to do so. And if you like, you can support the podcast by buying a cup of coffee or a cup of tea on our coffee site. That's at ko-fi.com forward slash under the tartan sky. Until next time, I'm Glenn Moyer. Tapalave, I guess Alpha Under the Tartan Sky is a production of Glenn L. Moyer Creative Communications. For show notes and more information on this and all Under the Tartan Sky episodes, please visit our website at www.underthetartansky.scot. Have an idea for a future episode? Well, get in touch via email at info at underthetartansky.scot. Visit and like our page on Facebook and follow us on Twitter, where our username is at underscore tartansky. That's the underscore symbol, tartansky. And thank you for listening.